This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. I'm Sam. I'm joined here today at Motive Partners, a European Innovation and Investment Centre in the studio with Charles Bowman, Lord Mayor of the City of London. Welcome. Thank you, Sam. Delighted to be with you. Delighted to have you. Perhaps we could start by you telling the listeners a little bit about what the role as the Lord Mayor involves. Well, six months, two weeks and four days ago, I was installed as the 690th Lord Mayor of our great city of London. It's been a whirlwind of activity since that moment, sometimes engaged in centuries-old city civic ceremony, but actually more importantly engaged in the cut and thrust of what is a very modern and very purposeful role, acting as a key spokesperson and a principal ambassador for and on behalf of UK financial and related professional services. And that is a sector that accounts for 2.3 million people nationwide, two-thirds of whom are outside of the city, that accounts for some 11% of our GDP, and from financial services alone, returns each and every year £72.1 billion. That is 50% of our NHS budget, that is 83% of our training and education budget. In UK terms or international terms, it is a national jewel, a European jewel, and as I often say, an international and global jewel. Thank you. In terms of it being an international jewel, as we see financial services intersect with technology and the rate of change increasing exponentially every day, how have you seen the landscape change since you began your career with PwC? Well, I've been very lucky. I started in 1983, uh, so I've been with Pricewaterhouse and Pricewaterhouse Coopers for now some 35 years. And the nature of change has been very dramatic over the course of that time horizon. Significant innovation, significant regulatory change throughout, significant growth and development of the sector, particularly here in London. I was able to witness Big Bang and all the impacts thereto therefrom. A better place, considerably more diverse from where it was when I first started, and a very much better place to live and to work too. You mentioned the the 1987 Big Bang and, and deregulation, which really was an enormous catalyst for the UK's sector. We're on the cusp of, of yet more, in fact, last Friday, the initiation of GDPR, uh, and at the beginning of this year, open banking. These are significant regulatory directives that are going to have enormous seismic effects, not just on our own environment, but the international environment. What are some of the opportunities you see arising from these? Very significant. And I start from the perspective that we must not forget the importance of the social purpose of financial and professional services. It affects each and every one of us and society more widely. And what I'm thrilled with is to see the nature of and the rapid speed of change that's happening, the innovation that's happening within financial and professional services and the regulatory environment changing alongside it. So whether that's in a developing country, the concept of financial inclusion, which is so important in Indonesia or Africa or parts of South America, allowing banking to the full population, or whether that's providing customer choice and societal choice 
for perhaps some of the more advanced communities and societies by way of example here in the UK. I think the opportunities are immense. Speaking of opportunity, and during your your tenure as Lord Mayor, you're travelling the world seeing a number of different organisations, governments uh, and, and cities around the world. Which of the, and we could probably both be forgiven for being biased towards London, but which financial technology hubs do you see leading the industry and, and why do you think that is? Well, I do. I'm very privileged. I spend some 100 days of my year traveling to 29 different countries. That will be the tally, I think, by the back end of the year. And perhaps what I would say, where are those fintech hubs? Where are those that are leading the world? I would start by the what as opposed to the who. And it's those centers where you have the right government tone from the top, where you have the right regulatory environment, encouraging innovation, creating the safe harbours, the sandboxes, as they've been well known as a consequence of what we developed here through Project Innovate in London. Those that have the right people strategy and those that have the right private investment supporting the development of the hub. London, where we now employ 50,000 people plus and is seen to be a really significant tech and fintech or tech fin hub. But others across the globe, I've been to Singapore, I've been to Shenzhen, I've been to Melbourne, I've been to Santiago, I've been to Sydney, but to name five particular cities that are all focused heavily on their financial technology or their technology combined with finance. And it's a very exciting storyboard. Two of those key ingredients for financial technology hubs that you mentioned are technology and people. Clearly, technology is growing faster today than it's ever grown before, yet slower than it will ever grow again. And people make up every business. Talent is a, is a core part of, of all of our success stories. What role do you think technology will have in the business of trust? It's a key theme for you this year, and it's been a key theme certainly in the UK since 2008. Absolutely. My mayoral theme this year is the business of trust. In 2008, we witnessed a catalytic moment a decline in trust as a consequence of the global financial crisis. Ten years later, notwithstanding great regulation applied in many centres, trust is still an issue. The 2017 Edelman Trust Barometer demonstrated the biggest single decline in trust in the institutions of business, government, media and NGOs. Whilst it was a financial services specific issue 10 years ago, it's still a financial services relevant issue, Mm -hmm. but it's now become a global matter. And actually, if you stand back from it, technology has played its part in it. The frame of reference, as I often say, for teenagers today growing up in this world, using technology is very, very different to that, which by way of example, my daughters have witnessed a few years or so ago. So technology, I think, has been part of the reason for it, for this this change. Technology needs to be part of the solution. Somebody wisely said to me, though, that this fourth revolution, the digital revolution, is a technology revolution and a values revolution. And the businesses that develop their business model with technology at mind, but having reviewing it and considering their business model through the lens of modern trust will be those that sustain themselves for the future. It's interesting talking about 
teenagers using technology and the requirement for digital skills in an ever-increasing technological world. The values revolution bit particularly resonates. I had the good fortune of being in China last week with Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who talks about AI and the importance of making sure that AI is working for the consumer. In order for AI to work for the consumer, we need to make sure that those that are using the AI and the beneficiaries of it, the general public and the workforce, are up to date, understand it, and can help influence and implement those values. And I know that the digital skills agenda is another of of the many important things that you're thinking about. How do you see these skills being nurtured? What do you think we can do as a nation to make sure that there isn't a skills gap in the next generation or two to come? It's such a good question. And we need to consider learning and then digital education, if I can put it that way, right the way across the supply chain of talent. So we need to start young. We need to make sure that we've got the appropriate elements of education in the curriculum through school we need to have the need to have it baked into higher education but actually as importantly we need to develop a culture of lifelong learning i'm a a prime example of it i won't be going back to university and many people younger than i Mm. who have been through university won't go back through to university but the ability to coach teach educate and upskill those generations that are beyond the sort of perceived norm of higher education, providing the opportunity to train and educate them will be critical. So lifelong learning will be key. Absolutely. And I guess the digital skills agenda extends so much further than just within financial services and professional services into a number of other industries. One of the other programs that you've built over this year is the Leaders of Tomorrow program. It's gained incredible momentum so far. And I know that the 60 odd people that I have the good fortune of being on it with are extremely excited about the opportunities that will be the product of the program. What for you would success look like in, in five years' time with this program? Well, thank you, Sam. And yes, we've got a wonderful community of now 80 strong leaders of tomorrow. I wrote to the chief exec and chairman of major institutions in financial services across the country to nominate a leader of tomorrow. And we've got this, this community now gathered who are principally focused on the business of trust and developing actions, activities that can leave a lasting legacy of better business trusted by society. What to me is a measure of success? Well, they are leaders of tomorrow today. In five years' time, I'd like them to be leaders of business in the day. That would be a first measure of success, but benefiting from the legacy of the empowerment we have given them to develop this trust agenda and therefore to running businesses that truly are better businesses properly trusted by society. I would also love to see one of the cohort as a Lord Mayor. Super. A lot of stuff to digest there for our listeners. I think talking about leaders of tomorrow and and seeing the fantastic job that that yourself and your office are doing, I'd love to know personally, and I'm sure our, our listeners would love to know, as a role model today, who some of your role models have been through your career? That's a, such a good question. I, I'm a huge believer in role models and mentoring and perhaps fell into mentoring a little by accident as opposed to by design. But my first proper mentor in a business capacity was my principal at Pricewaterhouse, who coached me through my exams and gave me very wise advice when I qualified. 
Thereafter, and I realised the value of mentoring at that moment in time, and thereafter, uh, I've been fortunate and lucky to have a series of mentors and now encourage everyone and anyone to make sure that they look up, look beyond, look around, seek out diversity in that mentoring too, and ensure that they've got people to help them and support them as they develop their career. And I'm sure for those that, that have mentors or those that are looking to have mentors, they can expect to learn some incredible lessons of leadership from them. Um, through your career, what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned and some that you can pass on uh, kind of in this environment as a virtual mentor to, to some of the listeners? Fantastic. Well, I, I mean, I, the two bits of advice that really have always, always resonated with me, again, provided by two of my mentors. First is in relation to leadership, an 80-20 rule. Presume that you will get it wrong. You will get it wrong sometime. And if that's 20% of the time, then you're getting it right 80% of the time. But be brave with your leadership. Respect the fact that you will get it wrong. And when you get it wrong, put your hands up or hand up, apologize, say I'm sorry, learn from it and move on. And the second, great leaders are those that give credit to others when things go well and actually take the responsibility when things don't quite go so well. And those two bits of advice given to me, as I say, by two of my mentors, uh, stuck with me and will always resonate with me. Thank you. Uh, I think we're, we're coming to the end of our, our time here. We're currently huddled in the studio with a, a storm going on outside, lots of thunder and lightning. You're traveling this week again. Where are you off to and, and what's on the agenda? I'm really excited. I'm going to North America and we've got a week and a bit in the USA, in Canada. So that's New York. Toronto, Boston and Chicago. And I'm taking with me a delegation certainly to Chicago uh, and Boston, meeting business leaders, peers and others. And I'm most excited for a productive visit to North America. Excellent. We look forward to hearing about it. Thank you very much indeed, Lomba. Sam, thank you very much. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.